Welcome, welcome to the Complete Center's Guide. My name is Tyler Fowler. With me, Noah J. Chalila. How you doing, buddy? Hey, good to be here with you again. Yes. So, man, I'm super excited to do this show. We've got a, a, an amazing, amazing thing lined up for you guys today. We're going to be discussing with, uh, repentance with Joshua Davidson, one of my long... I mean, we go back, okay? So, me and Josh have had a very, very interesting friendship over the past couple of years. And like I said, we're going to talk to you guys about repentance today. Um, and dude, how are you doing, man? I'm super excited to have you on. I'm, I'm doing great, bro. I'm actually uh, feeling better now that I got a couple of interesting chores done this morning. And um, I'm ready to, uh, to, to get into this, this uh, fun definition episode. Yes, exactly. And there is, it, it, it's interesting with repentance, right? There, there are two, I think two, it could possibly be argued more, but there are two key elements with repentance. There's like a coming, you know, a first time repentance where you place your faith in Christ where, and everything is just so blissful, right? Like you, you know, you're saved. And then there's this act of continuous repentance, continuously to walk with Christ afterwards. Um, and we're going to dig deep into that today. So this is like a theological episode for you guys, um, kind of our special treat to you. Um, but Josh, before we get into, you know, definitions and stuff, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, your, you know, your story, um, a little bit about your past, how you became a Christian and how life is now, brother. All right. Well, uh, like he said, my name is Joshua Davidson. Uh, I got friends call me Jimmy. Um, I know there's kind of a weird disconnect for that, but that's a different story. Um, the, I've been going to church since I was about two weeks old, uh, but I wouldn't say that I got saved until I was past 20 years of age. I knew a whole lot about God, but I never really knew God. So I'm one of those people that was, that was, uh, oh, I'm saved because me and my grandmama go to church, you know? Um, and I know a lot about God and I know the right answers, but I, I didn't, I can firmly say now on the, the, the other side of that, that I didn't really ever meet God until, you know, it, it came to a very drastic moment where I was put on my knees. So, um, I can say that repentance is something very close to anybody who's ever experienced the kind of humbling that Christianity brings to you. Repentance is something very close to your heart. Um, but it is, like you said, also something that is a bit of a thorn in the side, uh, because it's not, it's not a comfortable thing. It isn't, uh, it's not a comforting thing until quite afterward. Um, but I, I would say that I, I met God, uh, through a, uh, nearly failed marriage, uh, that God has blessed tremendously since, uh, since everything was submitted to him. And, uh, I, I would, I would, uh, you know, thank God so much for my wife every single day. She's a great blessing, but she was the tool that God used to, to, to break me and remake me. And ultimately that's my story on the shorthand. Cause it's a, it's a little bit extra personal, you know, but, uh, that's, sure. that's pretty much how I, I would say that I finally met God rather than just knew about him. Um, uh, because I, I, like I said, I had a long background in the church, but now I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, going to uh, a church in Concord, California called Calvary Chapel. Um, and it's a non-denominational 
National Church, uh, disassociated with a lot of other things, but there's several Calvary chapels in California, but we're not really quite in relation with them, oddly enough. I've never actually gone to another Calvary chapel, so I've only, I've only been to this one, sure. but, uh, I, right. I, right now I work at, I work at a place called the Bay Area Rescue Mission in Richmond, and it's a, a homeless shelter and a rehabilitation shelter for people to, to, to get off of their addictions, and it's Christian-based, uh, step program that lasts about 12 months, and I'm their maintenance uh, man and director for the the department, and uh, I, I I recently started there not that long ago, and it's been a blessing and a half to be able to meet some of these guys and pray with them and talk with them, and and you know it's it's a real perspective shift to see some of the people that are like you know I was just talking to you earlier, Tyler, that a lot of them are having the worst day that they've had in a long time when I meet them, and it's nice to be able to be the person that brings something to the table because I have hope. You know, and if right. they don't have hope, if they don't have a friend, like I, I have friendship and I have hope and that's the first thing that I can give them. So, you know, that's, that's a, I think it's a, a great place to be and it's a great ministry to be in. So that's, that's pretty much where I'm at right now, where I'm coming to you guys from is, uh, that's, that's my, my lot in life right now. And it's a lot, you know, <laughs> right on, so, man. Uh, right on. And it- and it's a really interesting story because you were actually looking for something, you know, that you, you have, I mean, you have a lot of different traits. Don't get me wrong, right? You're like a jack of all trades. But there's two main <laughs> things that you really try to pursue in, right? And it so happened that you, you found this job, I think it was from your sister, right? Like, did your sister tell yeah, you about this job? Yeah, my sister found an ad on the internet, just obscure. Apparently the ad had been there for about three years unanswered because there just aren't a whole lot of uh, uh, pastoral construction workers in the Bay Area just so happens, you know, uh, and, right. and I was, I was an electrician for years and, and, uh, have, have a bit of experience in the, in the building industry. And I, I, you know, I like tools and I like to work with my hands and I like to figure things out and it just, it clicked really well. And I got to meet with the, 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 the CEO and the head HR representative and they, the, the 80% of my interview was giving my testimony to them and they prayed beforehand. It was the best job interview I've ever had. Uh, and then awesome. they, they were happy to hire me because I was, I was very honest with them and they saw that I was in love with God. And that was really all they cared about. They were like, well, you have tools too, right? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, cool, right on. Well, you know, and they, that, that's, that, it, was, it was great, man. It was so great. So great. Yeah, because you don't really hear a lot. There's not a lot of people advertising for pastoral construction workers, right? Like, it's just, no. it's one of those things, you know what I mean? Where like God, you like I see God working you know, there to be like to shape and mold you in this one way as an electrician and then to shape and mold you as a teacher and a leader, you know, and then to say, all right, buddy, here you go. Boom. And put you in the spot. It's just, it's truly amazing. Really. It really is. And it's something that I, you know, what's even better is I, I didn't ask for it. And all I had to do to get it is get out of the way. So I know God did it. I know God did it. It's beautiful. Right. Right. Because That's awesome, I couldn't man. have done that. He, he just like from start to finish set, set the whole thing up. And all I had to do was, it was just get out of the way, you know, yeah. like my interference would have just, inju- it would have just harmed things. Like all I did was, 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 was talk to these people and that's it. And it was just so beautiful, set up everything. Sure. And it, I, I was what they were looking for and they were what I was looking for. And it's been fantastic. And see, that's what I love about talking to you, dude. Like I can just hear in your voice, and I'm sure everybody else can too, that's listening, that you just have so much passion about you, and I love it because I'm passionate about what I do, you know, with the show. And I love doing this show because here's the thing. The re- I, I think I've said this about every single episode, but I, but I don't mind, you know, repeating myself about it. I started this show to glorify God, right? And I started this show to 
explain the fact, you know, we, we, Noah and I just gave a, basically like an, an edification statement, you know, basically a little statement about the show, what we're about, what we're doing a couple episodes ago. And just to, you know, put that all in a nutshell, like we want to lead people to Jesus Christ, right? Because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We all deserve to die. I mean, the miracle is that God is keeping us alive and continuously working with us, you know, in spite of our sins, right? And, you know, for just just the little taste and the little tidbits that God gives us, you know, whenever we do obey him and whenever we do follow him, and like you said, Josh, get out of the way, so to say— he rewards yeah. us here. You know, the ultimate glory is going to be in heaven, you know, obviously, here on, you know, here on the new earth. But at the same time, you know, God rewards us here and now, you know, and even when we don't deserve it, you know, you, you got put in an amazing position. I got put, you know, doing the show. And like I said, the ultimate goal for both of those two things, I think, would be to lead people to Christ. Would you agree or um, word it different or? No, 1000%. That's exactly why. Like I, I, I was talking to the CEO of the organization and, you know, when he hired me, I basically asked him, you know, I know there's budgetary constraints, but what kind of, what kind of goal would you have me set that you want me to restore to this degree? Like how am I supposed to approach this job? Because the, the, the idea of being a, a, a maintenance manager is a little vague when I haven't gone over the facility very much. And he said, um, you know, I just want you to kind of, you know, think of the rooms inside as a place that, you know, when you're done with them, I want you to, to feel like you're not ashamed to have your mom stay in it. I was like, wow, okay, I can, th- right. I can do that. You know, that's something that's definitely something I can aim for. So that's kind of what I think about when I'm maintenancing this place is like, how, you know, would I be, would I be ashamed of having my mom use this, you know? And then he said for the front right. yards, it's like, pretend this is your grandmother's house. It's like I can do that, you know? So it's just, it, it the, the way that I approach it is probably different than most people would approach their jobs, but only because I've been put in a position, like you said, I've been put in a position that I, I feel underqualified for, but God qualifies me. He put me sure. here. So it's not like, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in, you know, I'm quite in over my head as, as it is. I am in over my head, but it's, and it's more responsibility that I've ever undergone, but it's worth it. It is, you know, it's so much, it's so much responsibility, but it's so much meaning and it outweighs every kind of, you know, frustration or, or the difficulty that I might encounter while I'm doing all these things. It's like, it's worth it. It's more than worth it. Right. I know what I know what's happening in that place and it's beautiful and it's more than worth it. That's awesome, man. That is I, I love I love hearing it, man, because like I said, our ultimate goal, you know, as men, as as men of God, right, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Right. So to Amen. so for those who are for those who are just tuning in listening, I have Joshua Davidson with me. He just went over a little bit of his testimony and we're getting to really dig into what is repentance and and in a whole the gospel message, right? I want to start out by reading first Corinthians fifteen. Um I think this is just a good bookmark. It's a good place to go. Um, when starting a gospel uh, conversation, and like I said, we're going to dig into um, bas- really what repentance is, the, the two key aspects of it, um, such as whenever we first believe and then whenever we continue our walk. But as of right now, 
We're going to read 1 Corinthians 15, so if you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and flip there. Paul says this to the church at Corinth. He says, Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel that I preached to you, that you received and on which you stand, and by which you are being saved. Notice that, being saved, if you hold firmly to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain or without a cause. For I passed on to you as of first importance what I also received, Now, here's the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And then he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, and then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. He appeared to James, and last of all, as though to one born at a wrong time, he appeared to me. So... Basically, what Paul's getting at is that, look, guys, the gospel, what was going on at the church of Corinth, they had all of these gifts and they were running wild with it. And Paul said, I preach to you, I didn't come to you with flattering speech, but I only preach Christ and him crucified, right? And the key aspect of that is Jesus dying for unworthy sinners such as ourselves. Romans 3:23 says for all have fallen short of the glory or fall, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And whenever we get into this gospel message, this good news, the reason we are called the complete sinner's guide, right, is because we have to understand the fact that we are sinners in desperate, desperate need of salvation. And I think, personally, Josh, um, if I could ask you this, I know that was a long intro, right? But whenever yeah. somebody, you know, and and just at the start, right, Josh and I do not agree with every single thing, okay? We're still brothers in Christ. We're still agreeing, you know, on the fundamentals. But, brother, we disagree on some things. But the, but, but the thing that we don't disagree on and the thing that unites us as brothers is the fact that Christ shed his blood for us, right? We both place mm-hmm. our faith in Christ. We both, you know, have repented in that aspect, and have placed our faith in Christ, right? And that's yeah. what Paul is getting at, that Christ died for your sins. Stop thinking, and this is where repentance comes in, right? Is the, There is one time that we thought about Jesus. Repentance in the Greek is metanoia, and it means simply to change the way you think or to change your mind. And I, that my personal testimony, Josh, is that whenever I was, before I was saved, I was running from God, I hated God, I didn't want anything to do with God, even though I grew up in a church environment, right? Like I said last time, um, you know, we really didn't enforce Christian conduct, right? We, we really didn't enforce the, you know, genuine rules, so to say. Um, we basically went to church on Sunday, and then the rest of the week was ours, but whenever I understood the fact that this this guy, this God-man, Jesus Christ, came down to earth, right, sent by the Father, came down to earth, lived a perfect life, and then took on the sins of every single person who would believe in him, right, and died for them, was buried, and rose three days later as proof that that sacrifice was accepted by the Father. The minute that that first clicked with me, right, is the minute that I dropped on my knees and begged God, begged him, please save me. I am a sinner. I deserve hell. I need you. I didn't know anything about theology. I know that I needed God at that point. You know what I mean? 
Um, so mm-hmm. was it like that for you whenever you first experienced, because you said you went to church, you know, all your life basically, and then you, but you wasn't right. saved until after the fact, what, 20 years or so after, is that what happened to you in a sense, or how would you characterize your experience with experiencing salvation at the beginning? Well, I, I would say, you know, just prefacing this by saying that what we're saying, both of us, is anecdotal, and it's from our personal experiences, and nobody should create some sort of doctrine around what we're saying. I just sure. wanted to be honest about Agreed. that, because there's a, lot, there's a lot that what both of us are saying that's subjective from the human perspective, and we can't make doctrine around that. So, sure. um, uh, they're just with that in mind, my experience was virtually flip-flop of that, where I had grown up in the church very uh, sympathetic to the idea uh, of, of, of self-sacrifice. I'm an empath, so I, I easily feel the pain or the frustration of other people, and I, I try to share the load, and I've always been uh, a relatively um, you know, receptive person to the things of the, of the gospel and of the scripture. And I could memorize Bible verses and I wanted to be in church. I was going to church five days a week and everything like that. But ultimately I had never actually met God. I had known a lot about God and I had known a lot about church and I knew the right answers. So if somebody asked me what salvation was or what I, what, you know, was I saved? I could, I could, you know, I could even share the gospel with somebody, you know what I mean? But I wasn't in a position that I had ever experientially met God and come to a place where, like you said, had been just shut down of all other options of thinking that somehow you were going to be able to do it on your own. Right. Um, and and though I knew the right answers, I didn't think that that's what I was doing until it was made abundantly clear to me that not only that's what I was doing, I was like Romans one said, approving of others doing the same. Right. You know, and it was, it was, there was my personal failures and then that, that had spread into my immediate family with my wife. And like I said, my conversion experience had a lot to do with an almost failed marriage. And when I say almost, I mean, virtually it was dead. Um, and, and, and that's the thing is, is God, God gives life, man. Like that's beautiful. And I didn't, I couldn't have fixed my marriage and I knew that. And that's why I had finally come to a place where I realized I put my wife on a pedestal. She didn't belong on. And it had hurt her in a way that I didn't realize it was going to because she can't bear that weight. And I had unfairly made her in that place. And and I had hurt myself. I had hurt her and all of my bad habits had reflected on her because, you know, marriage works much like a mirror and you reflect one another. And what I am, she is. And what she is, I am. And it's just, it's not a good look for the only one that's supposed to be close to God being the one that's the the reason other people don't want to go to church. I was the hypocrite, man. And looking back on it, I can see that my experience Experience was one where I didn't feel like I was very far from God, but until I had realized how much I didn't have, I, 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 it, I had never been confronted in that way. You know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> because I had been going to church for so long and kind of insulated from the wickedness of my own heart um, that I didn't, I had never really felt that, that overwhelming grief that, 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 that first repentance really ought to bring. Um, to, to the heart of, of a believer when you, when you really, uh, because like I said, I, I had all the right answers and I had all the verbiage and it was all head knowledge. It hadn't traveled down the 18 inches to my heart. Right. I, I was finally in a position where I had nothing else and it was either real or it wasn't. 
That's the best way I can explain it. Sure. And it seems like a lot of people, you know, and please uh, correct me if I'm wrong in, you know, assuming this, but would you say that you, you know, before you were saved, before that light moment, like whenever I said it clicked for me, right? It was like, mm-hmm. I don't know, it, it, it was like you just said, you know, you, it was your marriage was, all, well, it was virtually dead, and then God, you, you nailed it, dude. You said God, you know, gives life, right? And that's what I yeah. experienced, you know what I mean? And you, you were absolutely right whenever you said we shouldn't create doctrines on our personal experience. No, our ultimate authority, both yours and I, you know, yours and mine is the Bible, right? That's our ultimate yeah. God-given authority. Um, that, that we do, you know, create doctrines that we do, you know, hold beliefs, you know, that are built around certain things. Right. And so, so you're absolutely right, man. And so whenever, um, cause I know your, I know your marriage story, right. Or I know a little bit of it. Um, I don't want to get into it, but it, I can absolutely, you know, agree whenever, you know, God gives life to the dead. And that's part of this repentance. You know, you said it yourself. You, uh, I'll put it like this. Google Google actually defines repentance as the action of repenting, uh, sincere regret or remorse. And then its synonyms are remorse, contrition, contriteness, penitence, sorrow, uh, sorrowfulness, regret. It's almost like a complete feeling thing. Like somebody can ex- say, well, I've repented because I feel bad. And that's not what repentance truly is it's a changing of the way you think like we said and for you josh whenever you've seen you know your marriage going down the tubes and you you know it's almost like god took everything away from you you know to show you hit your need for him right and whenever that whenever that changed for you whenever you repented for the first time right it's almost like your worldview, well, there's no almost, it has, your worldview has completely changed. And now you're looking at it through the lens of a new creature, right? Because the Bible says whenever we're saved, we have become a new creation. The old has gone away, behold, the new has come, right? And so how did it, how did things affect you in that aspect of, you know, that that light bulb moment or the moment that you actually gained life or, well, we're, we're given life, let's say that. Um, I, how, I would, how did that change? I would, I would say that, that it wasn't necessarily my worldview that changed because like I said, I was raised very close to the church and was inf- infatuated with scripture. And I, I knew all the right sure. answers. Uh, I would say that my position changed and I was able to see it from a right perspective. Right. If because a lot sense. of people do uh, the, yeah, because a lot of people do have head knowledge, right? He, and we, we yeah. both agree that head knowledge doesn't save you. You could tell somebody the gospel a hundred million times, but it's not going to save you for doing it because we don't earn salvation. That's why I said, you know, we're given instead of gained, right? I don't want to be taken as, you know, somebody who thinks they can earn their salvation. We cannot earn our salvation no matter what we do. God has to break in and change our hearts, you know, take that heart of stone, give us a heart of flesh. And so it would be different between me and you, because like you said, you know, you grew up in the church and I rebelled against the church. Um, were you always in yeah. church whenever you, uh, whenever you, whenever you were saved, whenever, uh, God gave you life or were you, was there ever a rebellious stage? Let me put it like that. Um, there, no, there was, there was a rebellious stage. There was a rebellion. I, I okay. went to church, uh, like I said, from about two weeks old. And then when I was about 19, 
um, I was I was allowed to start going to like, you know, board meetings and more important things and be more involved in the church. And I had come to a position to realize that, um, you know, through through all the years that I had been there and I had learned from all these people and I looked up to them, they had put on a front to me to make me think that that church people had it all together. And then I realized that everybody in the church was just as full of snakes as I was. And I was like, well, forget this then. That's a joke. You know, and I walked away and I, I, and I, and again, in hindsight, I realized that my, my initiative and my, um, my, my, my motive, let's say for, for continually being a part of the church and, and fundamentally wanting to be helpful to people and feel their pain and help others. Sorry, hold on. There's a motorcycle going by, uh, help others and, 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 and be someone who could be God's hands and feet in the earth. I desired that from a very young age, but I didn't have the right motive for desiring something like that. Right. So Um, would you almost say that you were doing it? Go ahead. Oh, no, go, I, I didn't hear your question. Oh, I was going to say, so would you say that your motive for doing it was ultimately the glory of yourself? I mean, even if you didn't think so much, you know, like that at the time, looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty. would you say that that was the main cause for you to, like, elevate yourself or make yourself look good? Um, I, I, I would say it, in, in a really subconscious underlying kind of way. Absolutely. Right, yes. Right. Because I had attributed it to myself to just being that kind of person to be empathetic and, and to be nice to people and to want to be helpful and to want to be around the church. And I love the people that were there. And like my world was very small, to be honest with you. Um, and I hadn't done much going out and reaching out to people. I wasn't a very active participant in the kingdom. I was an active participant in my local church. And that's a, and that's, I I believe that's, that's where my trap was, is I had become part of a hymn singing rotary club that, that really wasn't glorifying God because it wasn't leaving the four walls. It was, it it was, it wasn't penetrating my heart, you know? And, and, and like I said, I had all the right answers, but like you said, we both agree head knowledge is not, is not salvation. The the thing that Christ finished is salvation. And what we do is trust in that. We can't think that what we know is having something to do with whether or not we're in God's good graces. God hands his graces to whom he pleases. And we do not, we do not do anything to get there. He puts us there. I believe that that's what happened is my position changed is when I, when I finally saw my, the, the, when, and again, this is experiential, so I'm not trying to say this is my, this is doctrinal. Uh, when I, when I finally realized that I had come to a place where I knew a whole lot about God, but I had never met him. The reality of the fact that it wasn't necessarily the gospel per se, as, 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 as like something that I heard from someone else, because I, to be honest with you, I was by myself when the conversion and my first repentance happened. Um, I was actually by myself down the street. Um, and I was crying my eyes out underneath a street light and I had gone for a walk. I was very upset about whatever it was we were fighting about. And I was down the street and I had realized for whatever reason, and in my mind, I, I had this kind of reflexive moment where I was like, you know, I, I've been telling people, I know what kind of advice I would give somebody if they were in this circumstance. Why don't I take my own advice? What kind of idiot am I? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just all like mad and everything. And I have all these angry thoughts in my head, you know, and I started realizing like, yeah, why don't you take your own advice? Why are you being a fool? And I thought about it and I was like, well, I don't know. I don't have, I've never had to do this before. I was like, never had to do what? 
and I'm having this internal dialogue about, <laughs> what do you mean you've right. never done this before? <laughs> you know all right. the answers. They're like, yeah, but I've never done it before. Dear God, I've never done it before. Right? And I'm freaking, I was freaking out, dude, because right. I knew, I knew I was fully aware. I was fully aware of what the gospel was and what it meant to not be in Christ, right? I knew I was aware, and it finally smacked me in the face where I couldn't ignore it. And I, the situation of my life, whatever God had to use, like you said, he took everything that I, that I had put in his place in, in practically, like I said, mentally and, right. and, 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 and whatever. I, I would say that I had all the right answers, and I thought I yada, 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 right? But practically, in actuality, my actions in life had, had, had shown existentially that I had placed my wife and my family and my finances and several other things on the altar in place of myself. And I had never repented there. And finally, when I was down there around the corner, uh, put my face on the ground before God and said, I got nothing else. You're either real or you're not. Take me. And that was it. That was it. I had nothing else. So it was like, okay, you know, I don't even want my life anymore. Here you go. Yeah. And it's like, basically you get, you, you're in control, man. Like you, I, I need yeah. you. And that's exactly, <laughs> you know, that's exactly the way, I mean, right. We're, we're, t- we're, we're talking about feelings and stuff, but I honestly think that feelings are a good thing, right? God gave us feelings they are. to build doctrine off of, but it is our experience. You know, everybody experiences things differently, but yet they're all saved the same way, right? By repentance and faith. In Christ. And I love that because, you know, I'm sitting here just so intrigued by your story, dude. Like, I love it. I lo- I've heard it before, and I love hearing it over and over and over again, right? <laughs> but whenever, you know, so basically whenever we're saying, you know, that, that that light bulb moment hit, you know, that that was the moment, you know. Basically, what had happened, and, and with me, I'll put it like this. I was, you know, my friend had came up to me. He, he, like I said, he drew out the gospel for me on paper. It was the first time I ever seen anything like it. And I'm just sitting here just intrigued. Like, I, I don't necessarily feel the Holy Spirit working in me, right? But I know it. it it's just, it, it's not like, you know, I don't know. It's not like magic or mysticism or anything like that. It's just I'm so intrigued by what this man is showing me about how Christ came and he took... You know, his perfect sacrifice was to take every single person, everyone who would, you know, put their faith in him and take it and die and in return, right? Because that's what I was hung up on. I always thought, well, Jesus takes away my sins and I'm good. And my friend was like, no, you're just a sinless man after that. You need something you don't have by yourself. And I said, what's that? He said, you need righteousness. You need to stand before God. God innocent not if somebody just takes away your sin you're just another sinless man you're no better than Adam was in the garden before he ate the apple and I was like okay so what am I missing you're missing Christ's righteousness and that's what happens whenever we get whenever we repent whenever we turn from our sin everything and there is a sorrowfulness to that right like there's two kinds of sorrow we have to remember though the Bible says that there's a godly sorrow and a worldly sorrow and the difference between the two is that a worldly sorrow is stemmed from nothing but guilt, right? I did something bad and I might get caught for it. I felt a worldly sorrow whenever I hit a guy in the face and I went to jail for it. Well, I didn't go to jail technically, but you know, long story short, it's whatever. But you know, I sinned in that moment. I screwed up and I felt sorry 
you know, for breaking the guy's jaw, but I felt sorry that I was going to get caught for what I did. The cops were on their way. Right. I knew it, you know, and the, the difference between this godly sorrow that stems from repentance is the fact that you realize, and this is just the best way that I know how to put it, is that you realize the thing that you've done to the guy or the thing that you've done to your parents or whatever, you've done that, multiply it by eternity, and you did that before God. You've spit in his face, you've trampled, you're the one that pierced the nails through his hands and feet. You know, and that's what I felt. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like, what have I done? I'm the reason, you know, amongst all of his forgiven children, I'm the reason that Christ died on the cross. It should have been me instead of him. And that's the light bulb moment I'm talking about is whenever, you know, that happened. And I, you know, I, I turn from my sin, you know, to, to repent, I always define it like this is it, yes, it is a change of the way you think about your sin. What used to be fun, what used to be, you know, what used to you enjoy, or what you used to enjoy, you now hate. What used to be fun, you now despise. What used to, you know, glorify you, you hate it. Why? Because it's taken away glory from God, and it's the reason He died on that cross, right? And whenever I click, and I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, because why? Because he didn't stay dead. He rose. You told me perfectly, Josh. You said, he's alive. Why should? Why am I saved? How do I know I'm, I'm saved? Is because he's not in the ground no longer. He's alive. And I absolutely, Amen. you know, and I, I, I it, that, that very brief, instantaneous moment of justification before God. Whenever I repented, I realized that Christ was not just the man, this prophet, maybe in the best case, a prophet, that walked the face of this earth 2,000 years ago and got himself killed on a cross. That changed to, this is God in the flesh that has came down and voluntarily laid his life down for, if no one else, me. And that, Amen. Whenever you know, I whenever I caught that, whenever I grasped that, whenever I placed my faith in that, right, it, it, it all changed. And you know, that's what we're talking about. It, you know, Josh, you can take it if you want. You know, with um, you know, wording it a little bit different, but that's how I know. You know, how to explain this light bulb moment. Where for those who are just tuning in, I got Josh Davison online. We're talking about repentance. And we're we're really getting into some testimony, um, you know, and, and I love it, man. I really do. Um, but Josh, would you word that any different from like um, not really getting on the subject of you know a continuous walking with Christ after this, but this this brief justification moment where repentance and faith is first enabled, so to say. Okay, so I, the way that the way that and, and again, I've been I've been kind of mulling this over for a couple of weeks now since we since we first talked about doing this. Um, sure. So I, the way, the way that I've kind of worked this out in my mind to make this a practical thing to say, rather than just a doctrinal thing to say, because then we're not, we're not making a dissertation. We're, you know, we're trying to tell people so that they can understand even from a one Oh one level. Right. So right. if, if, if we're going to take repentance, which is a word that we don't even use anymore, like you said, the word initially is in Greek metanoia, right? Which means like you said, a change of mind, a change of mindset, a change of thinking, a change of what your understanding is outworking through your, your actions, right? But it starts in the mind. So your mind needs to be changed. 
right? Mm-hmm. So initially, the first repentance, I believe, is 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 a change of your mind and your spirit positionally from being dead in the sin that it is and separate from God, Christ being the life. He said he is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to the Father but him, right? If we are separate right. from Christ, who is the life, we are dead. Mm-hmm. That's it. There's no, there's no other way. You need life. So the only way, the only way at all is to, to have your mind renewed by Christ. So the first repentance is the renewing of your mind, your spirit, to be able to commune with God. Because ultimately what you have been was separate from God. You know, and not that God isn't present in the earth around you or holding your very atoms together. God is present everywhere, but you do not have him and he is not with you. You have made yourself the enemy of him by, like you said earlier from Romans 3, sinning, making you fallen short. You are fallen short, not just potentially. You have sinned already and fallen short and repentance is the awareness of that to agree with god about it it changes your mind and that is the first repentance is to notice the difference between you and god and see him reconcile it through his own faithfulness through his own promise through his own work you haven't done it he has done it right and to know that and to see it and to experience it like you said i believe the experience is almost as important as the recognition of the saving itself you've experienced it it's real right it's not just an idea it's not just a concept it's a reality that you are now saved from now on forward from here on you are saved and being saved and like you said before being saved is the outworking of that moment forward it is your mind is now changed now changed the way your mind is working and this is a repentance that's ongoing but it's a byproduct of the first repentance sure and you said it you nailed it dude you said that, you know, whenever we repent, whenever we change the way we think, we basically, you know, agree with God um, that what we've been doing is wrong. What we've been doing is actually, you know, it it invigorates him, right? Like, it, I mean, it, it, it produces so much hate. Like, God hates sin. Let's just be honest. I, I heard a Paul Washer sermon one time, and... He basically, I know, right? Like Paul Washer, like get ready to pull out the Kleenexes, man, because you're going to be crying your eyes out if you hear this dude. But for real, right? Like, he he said, if you only see one side of the cross, right? If you only see the love that God has for His children, you're only seeing one side of it. He said the cross is it's two sides to it. God's love, yes, it shines brightly through, but I think the reason that God's love shines so brightly in the cross is that you also see his hatred for sin and the things that we've been doing. You know, Christ was innocent. Christ was perfect. Christ is the only human because God, or Jesus is God and man, right? He's the only human to ever be perfect. And the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, it says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, and it doesn't stop there, though. Why? Because we need this righteousness. Now listen, it says, and, it says, forgive us of our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, period, end of subject, all, all, right? And that confession Amen. of sin, a lot, a lot of people, you know, and I'm guilty of it myself, 
at one time I thought that this confession of sin was me just getting on my knees and saying, God, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, and I've done this. Now, please forgive me for it. No, it's not that. It's an internal thing as well. It's you are now agreeing that what you have done is absolutely horrid in the sight of God and that you realize that this is what Jesus has died for. And you try your best to turn from it. You you know, we, we all screw up. We all fall short. We all still sin daily. But this key significant impact of repentance in, in the heart of a believer in their first moments of trusting Christ, right? It's, it's just exactly like what you said, dude. It's an agreement that what we've been doing is wrong and what you say is absolutely 100% right and just, right? I mean... Amen. That's exactly right. And that's why I believe that the gospel is so incredibly powerful, because it paints a picture that you don't just get to say with apathy, well, I don't, maybe God doesn't care that much about me, or maybe God doesn't care that much about my sin, or we have an agreement. It's like, no, fool. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> God right, took sin right. seriously enough that it was deadly. It is deadly to you yeah. or to him, period. Right. And see, that's the thing. And people that, say cheap grace, right? Deal. Yeah, absolutely. And people say cheap grace. It's like, no, it's not cheap. Christ, It costs Christ his life. Granted, he voluntarily right. laid down his life. But at the same time, he died, man. Like, he died. And, you right. Know, and, 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 yeah, and, no, it, it, that's exactly right. And I, I, I personally get a little inflamed over the idea of somebody cheapening the sacrifice because I believe that Jesus was every part of the sacrificial order perfectly. He was the high priest. He was the sacrifice. He was the mercy seat. He was, sure. he was the blood sprinkled. He is all of it. He is everything perfected. He perfected and fulfilled the law exactly. And not only did he do that, he took suffering and physical pain and mockery and entered into a place where he could be challenged and, and beaten and mocked for the first time. He's God. He's God. And he came here to a place where he could actually be not only disagreed with, but injured. In God's realm, when he was disagreed with and disrespected, you were shot out like lightning. And he came here and was beaten to death right. after fulfilling the law perfectly. Right. Doing and it all still, with, like you said, with 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 intention and perspective to say, I'm doing this. You don't get to take my life. I'm handing it to you. Right. And see, that's the thing, you know. God, like you just said, God, if He was disagreed with, you know, up in heaven, boom, shot out like lightning. And this is why I, you know, bringing bringing it roundabout, you know, full circle. I think this is why experiential, you know, differences between people, but still the experience. Um, is so incredibly important is because, yeah, God knew about sin the entire time he, he's been God, that, right, for, eternal, for, for eternity. But God mm-hmm. never experienced the temptation of sin like he did in Jesus Christ. He never experienced the vile hatred that man had for their creator in the incarnation. And he actually experienced what it was like to take sin, the very thing God despises, take it upon himself voluntarily, mind you, and say, I'm doing this for a people who don't deserve it, but the reason I'm doing it is because I love you. The three most powerful words that is ever in any language, any it, the meaning behind it is just, it's phenomenal. There's no, there's nothing like it. 
Amen. And and just to, just as as something because I, I heard you mention it briefly a moment ago. You mentioned in First John, if we confess our sin, if we confess our sin, confession is closely tied to repentance. But we didn't define that word very closely. And I think that because it was brought up, it's something that's relevant to the first repentance. Because confession is something that happens almost naturally as you realize what is happening. The first instinctual thing when you are when you are experiencing that first repentance, your reaction is finally to say in its only appropriate context, oh, my God. The first time you say that and it actually means what it means is right there in that moment. And you say, oh, my God. Right. And you realize what you've, you, and again, you said it's a light bulb moment. That's the change of mind. That's what that is. That's the change of mind. That's metanoia, right? Right. It's so like that's Thomas. What, if that's what you're experiencing, that's, what you, that's what's happening to you as much it is, as it is what you are doing in that moment. It's hard to define because it's a very abstract thing and it doesn't happen to your body. Um, it's happening uh, in the very metaphysical part of you that doesn't that doesn't take up space or time. It's it's the you that you are when you aren't your body. You know, um, that's what's experiencing this. So it's very hard to put it into words and make it sound so concrete. Um, but but ultimately, I believe that uh, confession is something that closely follows repentance because it is repentance out loud. Uh, confession is homo legeo, right? To speak the same. And not only in your heart, in your mind, when you have that first repentance, you agree with God, then you do it out loud and you speak, you speak the same. Right. Right. It's kind of like that, you know, what's going on in the inner man is being expressed by the outer man, so to say, right? Like, um, I keep exactly. looking at this verse that popped up. It's Exodus 34, seven, and it's just surely by the providence of God that this is sitting here in front of my face right now. It says this. Says maintaining. This is talking about God. He's maintaining loving devotion to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet He will by no means excuse the guilty. He will visit the iniquity of the fathers on their children and grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. You know, this is what we're talking about whenever we say that God absolutely hates sin. Um, but yeah, dude, you're 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 absolutely right, man. Um, please, I didn't mean to interrupt continue <laughs> oh no it's all right that was now i just i finished my thought so it's okay i i just wanted to to bring the, the 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 idea of confession because it's so closely tied to the first repentance and the continual repentance uh confession is something that 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 remains tied to repentance your whole life sure right exactly and this is you know we're we're transitioning now into for those who are just tuning in, I've got Joshua Davidson online with me right now, and we're talking about repentance, and I, I'm absolutely loving this episode, man. I love it. Um, but yeah. now, so we there are some people in the world um, that believe that this is a one-time thing, this repentance, this confession of right. sin. Um, basically, once you've punched your ticket to heaven, as James White likes to say, um, you're good. You're You're good to go. And I would just... I have to stop and think because going back to that confession, right? First John one nine says, if we confess our sins, it does not say if we have confessed our sins, right? This, right. It's, it's not an aorist. It's not something that happens in the past. This is a present continuous action. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive. So for, for the heaven ticket punchers, I, and I don't say that with any kind of, you know, demeaning, you know, 
I'm not trying to go there, but at the same time, this is a, you know, to say, well, I've confessed my sins, I've accepted Jesus in my heart, and I'm good. I don't have to, it's all been forgiven, I don't have to worry about anything, you know, everything's water under the bridge. No, the book of Hebrews is clear, the book of Psalms is clear. If we continue in sin, if we are, even after salvation, if we are, if we continue in sin, God is a just God, and he will chastise us. Right, I know Hebrews is your favorite book, Josh, but the writer of Hebrews is clear. Right, if we continue yeah. to do these things that Christ died for, we will. We I don't think. Here's my opinion, and I I think you think the same. I don't believe we can lose our salvation. I don't believe. I don't believe every professing Christian is a Christian, mind you, but I don't believe a true born again believer. <clears throat> excuse me can uh, lose their salvation. I just don't. Um, and and right. part of that is, you know, like you were saying earlier, whenever me and you was just talking, you know, salvation is of God, right? This, is, this isn't your salvation to begin with. It is, God has given it to you, but God also says he will keep and preserve his children. I mean, there's, there's no argument about that. Um, right, and, and even superseding that whole idea that God has given you salvation and somebody would try to say, well, then fine, salvation is mine. Well, hold on a second. You don't belong to you. Right. God has given you something that belongs to him because you belong to him. Both you and salvation belong to him. Good luck with that. Right, exactly. And it doesn't nullify the promise that God, Christ will keep us in one hand, right? It's in John um, 10, I think, uh, just off the top of my head. But you know where I'm talking about whenever Christ says he'll keep us in one hand. The Holy, or the Father will you know, basically overshadow us and keep us in his other hand. And nobody can snatch you know, the believer out of the hands of God, right? And we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. So there's a trifecta there that we are not going anywhere once we're saved. Um, but with Correct. repentance... That's because, I, and I believe because the first repentance is permanent, but right. not not superseding a life of repentance thereafter. There needs to right. be a subsequent life that pursues the holiness that's been declared by righteousness that you've been justified before God. That's a legal term that I'm sure you're perfectly aware of. It means sure. that you've been made just as if you'd never sinned. That's the easiest way to think of it, right? right justified right. just as if I'd never sinned, right? So now you've been made to be a righteous, not just innocent, but righteous person right. because you've been given the righteousness of another who has completed the law that you could not. Right? right? So that's the first repentance is to be now covered and justified by that. However, sanctification is what makes us toward the end of our life into the, the, the glorification that happens. We are being made to the image of the one who, whose righteousness we are now marked with. The, right. the marking is becoming a reality through the sanctification that we experience afterward. So the, the marking is, is actually the, the initial first cause of the sanctification that follows afterward, which is why if you're marked with the, I believe because of Ephesians one verse, uh, Ephesians chapter one, verse 13, you are marked with the spirit of promise. God, God, the only person powerful enough to break God's seal on something I believe is God. Right. Right. I would, I would agree with you. Um, in that the only person power and powerful enough um, to either nullify a, you know God's promise is God Himself, and yet He won't do that. Why? Because God is not God is not arbitrary, 
right? There is a reason, right? And this and this ties into this lifelong of repentance. Another Paul Washer sermon. I was just listening to it the other night, and he and he nailed it. With all of this, what we're saying, it might sound like we are advocating for perfection. And to make this statement now, I am not perfect. I, Tyler Fowler, am not perfect. I can't speak for Josh, but I know what he would say, right? What would you say, dude? Are you perfect? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> that, that's, the, that's, the, that's the short version, no. <laughs> but anyway, so we're not advocating for perfection. We all understand that the complete sinner's guide, we are still sinners. We are still going to fail God. But like you nailed it, dude, you just said it. Justification. The, and if two people, or two people, I hope more than two people listen to the show, but if not, it's fine. Um, basically, if two <laughs> words, if two words can be taken away from this dialogue that we're having, and I love it, is justification and sanctification. Justification is a momentary time in action that you are declared righteous before God. Okay? There, there's no word, the, the, and we, we, I, I'm veering from the word gain because I don't want to make it sound like we earn salvation because we do not earn salvation. Salvation Obtain. is the gift of God. Obtained. Okay, so that, that, that's great. We obtain salvation based on faith in Jesus Christ. Period. End of subject. Um, that, that now, what does that look like in 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years is that we yes there there is a sense in which we are sinners we will still screw up but god is saved us to conform us to the image of christ and that image is sinless we, there will be a time um i don't know how that works in eternity but there will be a time where every single believer in christ is free of sin and there's no sin around them they will be sinless and they will be perfect and that's our ultimate glorification in heaven on the new earth and up until that time, the the same the same writer who wrote First John one nine also wrote one John, uh, sorry First John one eight, right? That says if you say that you have no sin, you are a liar, and the truth is not in you. So right. are we? Are we advocating for perfection? No. What we are advocating for is that in time, one will grow more and more like Christ. Amen. So so with this lifelong of repentance, yes, the same sins that entrapped us and that, you know, kind of got us up, um, caught us up, you know, while we were younger, we should be getting freer and freer of those sins. And what I mean by that right, is this exactly. by perfect example. Whenever I was first saved, I really, really liked porn. Okay, I'm not. I'm not even going to lie. Um, and now I look back four years ago to now. Right? Am I still tempted? Yes. Do I still give in? Actually, I haven't given in to watching that in probably six months now. So thank God. And, and that's all due to God, right? Like, God is the one that's changing my heart. God is the one that's changing my mind. God is the one who grants repentance. The Bible is clear. And so, like I said, I'm just trying to give an example of a sin that used to trap me up, that kept me up at night, bro. Like, really, like, I would cry, and my mom would come in. This one, I still live with my mom. She's like, Tyler, what is wrong? I said, I can't beat this sin. I'm struggling so hard. And now I look back, and it's like, 
I see the struggle and I still see the temptation, but I see achievement and, you know, over overcoming that sin. Right. Um, Is there anything like that for you that, you know, that you've just now, you know, been able to get over or are you, I mean, we all still, I still struggle in many, many, many different areas, but, you know, I keep fighting that struggle because I'm sure that's a big question that people have. Well, how do you fight that? How do you, you keep trusting Christ? You keep, you, you stop looking inside of yourself for perfection and start looking outside of yourself to the perfecter of our faith, right? And who is that? It's God. Our faith is not going to be perfect while we're in this body, but at the same time, I rest comfortable at night knowing that my salvation is in the hands of my Creator who saved me, and He would not start something that He won't finish. That's right. And you can tell because time and space goes on as it does. <laughs> right. Seemingly with no reason at all. You know? Exactly. Like one of those things that, that, that becomes so mysterious when you start thinking about it. You know? Exactly. But ultimately... Right. And oh, I hate to end this, dude. We have to... Um, Thank you, Josh, for coming on. You guys can check us out at www.completecentersguide.com. Hit me up on my Gmail, completecenter at gmail.com, and check out the Facebook page at completecentersguide.com. We'll see you next week with a really big surprise.